Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. It's time to share with you stories from the best comedians in the country about the worst ever gigs they have done. And it doesn't get much more nerve-wracking than doing, I think, improv comedy. Improv where you go up, nothing is scripted, nothing is prepared, you go up in front of a room full of strangers and just see what happens. But sometimes those gigs go bad as well. Joining us now to talk about that is Neil Curran. Neil, you're very welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Hey, Cormac, how are you doing? Good, good. Come here, before we maybe chat about uh, some of the, the worst gigs you've ever done, um, how long or when did you start doing improv? Gosh, I've been doing it, I, I'd arguably all my life because I kind of grew up in Mercer Theatre. I was very shy when I was a young fella and improv was the only thing that I was, that I, the only outlet I had as a child where I didn't feel like adults or parents were telling me I was doing it wrong because <laughs> it's a very liberating thing. So that was kind of my, my thing and as I grew up into adulthood and had to have all adult responsibilities, Improv became a more and more prominent part of life, so it's kind of always been there. But it's, I guess the last twelve years is when it's it's really been uh, a kind of more and more serious in my right, life. Right? Yeah, yeah. Can you remember like when would have been your like first official improv performance, if there is such a oh, thing? Gosh, <laughs> gosh. Uh, first official on stage probably would have been maybe 2007, 2008. Yeah. I think was probably I I, um, I don't know if the bar I think the bar is gone. It was a bar Chaplin? No, not Chaplin. It was a bar on Westmoreland Street. Right. I think it's gone and it's based in Abercrombie. And I think that was a very first improv gig. Well, gosh, that's going back. That's a long time ago now. <laughs> Sorry for dragging you back. <laughs> PTSD there, PTSD. <laughs> um, and yeah, so you've been doing that a hell of a long time. And as with anything, you get your good days at the office and your bad days at the office. But how bad have they gotten when, when they've gone wrong? Well, you see, this is the thing with improv, because technically it can't go wrong. You yeah. just have a show that the audience likes or doesn't like. But I guess what one, my own signature show, Neil Plus One, I've been doing that since 2013 I take an audience member who's not an improviser who's not a performer and I make them my (laughs) co-star in a two-person show and that kind of brings a whole new element of risk to the to the stage because you don't have the safety net of performing with another professional. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there, there's some challenges with that. But I, over the years, I've had some interesting characters. Now, I always look for somebody who has never performed on stage, who isn't an actor, has, you know, is, is yeah. literally somebody who has an, a, a normal life. Um, and there's been a couple of people over the years where I've had to say to them after the show, you know, I, I, did you lie to me? Are you really a performer in disguise? Because they just were just so engaging with it. But there's a flip side of that, though, is where you have people who are almost in denial that they're on stage with me. 
Um, <laughs> and I, I guess the toughest one was wasn't too long ago. Actually, I was performing in Barcelona, and there was there was a family sitting in the front row, a family of local people, and it looked like you know the parents. There was parents there. There was kids. There was grandparents. That's how it looked in the front row. And I asked for a, a volunteer from the audience, and uh, the hand shot up, and this chap got up on stage at me, and it. As I started to talk to him, I, usually the premise of the show is we start to have a chat in front of the audience first, just to relax the audience members and so they know they're not yeah. going to be pimped out. And, and this chap became very clear very quickly. His English was, was almost non-existent. Oh, brilliant. And um, so the questions became more and more basic. So I didn't want to, you know, embarrass the chap and I wanted to, you know, give him the opportunity to get back to the audience in a, in a dignified way. Um, but he just, he, he wasn't budging from the stage yet, was, was sitting there desperately trying to answer questions. Um, and then his dad got really, really angry. Um, from the audience so I, I've been asking questions you know who was he there with was that, his, was that his beautiful wife sitting beside him and he said no that's my sister oh. so that's when things started to take a turn and then I asked him about the, the, the kids so it turns out the kids were here so that was a, that was a plus and uh, I was asking you know were you like were you like your kids when you were that age uh, with your dad you know what was that like but a little did I know that that was actually a sore point uh, with it, with his family, so I'm asking all these questions, and his dad sitting in the audience thinks that this is some kind of setup, and started shouting abuse at the stage. And uh, so I had, then had to try and find a way of, you know, managing that. It was a sold out audience, and uh, finding a way to, with, 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 to get this guy back to his seat without, you know, him feeling that this was a humiliating experience. And eventually, I got, I got, I asked him then, you know, do you want to take part in the performance of the show, or you're, you're free to go back to your seat because it is a voluntary experience. Right. But then, but then suddenly his understanding of English at that point, you know, disappeared even further, and he couldn't even give me a yes or no answer. So, again, I'm trying to, you know, find a way for him to to return to his seat so that all can return to normal in the world. Oh my God, that was distressing. And then there was a there was a heckler. Then you don't really get hecklers in improv because it's you know this kind of a. Uh, You're enjoying the interaction anyway, aren't you? They're kind of like exactly. So this this uh, American lady who was sitting on the other side of the audience, she shouted, "Why don't you get a real improviser on stage?" And then I heard somebody sitting beside her saying, "You did read the you did read the blurb for this show." So it was like oh, all the you know the plans were aligning in terms of all the things that could go wrong. But I did get the chat, <laughs> chat back to a seat. It had eaten up like my performance time, and I was like, "Well, what do I do? I could say, well, that's the show,' and then walk off, you know, like a, a god." Uh, I, I saw someone else in the audience and thankfully there was someone else who did speak English got them up on stage and uh, I was in this state this heightened state of anxiety I can imagine yeah uh, but thankfully I got, I got through it but uh, that was my learning from that was because I, I travelled with the show and I performed it in, in countries all around the world and this had never been a problem before um, but my lesson from that was to you know when looking for an audience volunteer that I ask someone who could understand be speaking English yeah it's always, always going to be a, a benefit to understand the same language when you're trying to bounce off each other, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But like, you know, language barriers, they sometimes can bring a sense of fun to the show because you know, the cultural differences or you know, understanding terminology would be different. And part of the fun about an improv is that you know, if I walk on stage and I, I use a word that's kind of, you know, slang in Irish and the, the person I'm performing with interprets that a, a different way. Yeah. Well, then the nature of improv is we just, we just embrace whatever is presented to us. We, we say yes and to 
whatever. So, so it's not always like a, a challenge in that regard. But this one was just a roadblock, and I was invited as a guest to perform in Barcelona. And you can imagine the things going through my head. I was like, "What the hell am I doing here?" They'll never bring you back. What are you even doing? You've offended a whole entire family, Neil. What's going on? You've uncovered childhood issues. Jeez. And it was the first night. I had another night to do after. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, but, but with the premise of your show, Neil Plus One, like what? It seems to me a terrifying premise of a show. In that, do you have anything at all prepared, or any structure or format you're going through, or how does it work? No, it, genuinely, you go out on stage with nothing, and I'm just seeking someone who's not a performer. Because if I get someone who is an improviser, even if I don't know them, you know, the audience is going to go, "Well, you're performing with someone who, who who's done this before." So, genuinely, I'm trying to find someone who has never been on stage, who's preferably never seen improv before. And I have nothing. I chat to them in front of the audience just to make them feel at ease and to find out a little bit about their life. And then I kind of say, you're free to say and do whatever you want. You can try and mess up the show if you want. But it's up to me to kind of make it work and we will perform. Sometimes there's some gold in that, there's some magic that can happen. Uh, but it's always a very, it's a very intimate experience. The comedy obviously is a big, big part of it, but it's often a very intimate experience for the person on stage. I've had some, I had a lady once, I have to be very careful because she could be listening. I had a lady once and it turns out I knew her husband. I won't say why, but it was related to their business that they both ran. Right. And um, I asked her about her hobbies and uh, she was a musician or something like that. So I, I said, oh, would you rather, you know, follow the rock and roll lifestyle or would you rather run the family business? And she said, oh, no, family business all the way. And that was a real surprising answer because you'd assume if someone has a, you know, an artistic hobby, they'd love to be, yeah. you know, have a career and that. But she was like, no, no, not at all. So the show played out and I ended up, in, you know, making her a rock star and she had great success from music and we had a bit of crack with that. And then after the show, we were having a few points after the show and she said to me, do you know what doing your show has made me realise? And I said, what's that? She goes, I've been following my husband's dreams all my life. Oh. Oh, I said, well, geez, don't, don't tell him because he wasn't there. So don't tell him. Don't tell him that. <laughs> so you just love ruining families. This is the theme I'm getting, Neil. This is whether they're in Spain or in Dublin. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's the opposite. It's all, it's all a very supportive. Like I, I do get people after to say that, um, you know, that it's a very profound experience for them. They had great crack and, you know, and, and that's happened in cities around the world. So it is a positive experience. It's, it's, you know, you don't want people walking away from the stage feeling like they were the Buddha's joke. And improv is like that improv is about we're all in all in it yeah, together yeah, yeah. But, you know, you, it's not going to go right 100% of the time either. Yeah, so, I mean, apart from the Barcelona family incident, has there been any other kind of awkward ones where you're just standing there kind of going, I've picked the wrong person, or this isn't going well, or, oh, my God, just swallow me I, up I, now? You see, it, it's funny. How, it, there was one show I did with a guy, and um, he was a he was a, a rugby player. Rugby was the yeah. thing. And he was, like, this big guy came up on stage. And he was chatting. He was a bit of a ladies' man. He was chatting. But you could see he was a little bit shy and nervous. And then the show started... And and he refused to get out of his chair. And no matter what character I came on stage as, so if I came on stage as like you know another rugby player or as his, or as his dad, he was like, "No, nope, you're Neil. Uh, no, I'm in a theatre." He denied every single oh, thing that I God. brought to the stage. But I just had to make that work. But oh my God, I was like, that was a, that show. I was a half hour set. And I, you know, as I was coming towards the end of it, I was felt like I'd run two marathons. Oh, God, but he reached it. he reached that he, he reached the point at the very last scene where he he finally accepted that he was on stage, and that was enough to bring the curtains down. Then you know we had worked so hard, but my God, I was ready to go to bed after that. <laughs> yeah, you had to work for your uh, work for your entire thirty minutes there, because and it, there's nothing worse when you're on stage and you can just feel that whether it's the room or the person you're with that you you just know this is going to be tough. Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean that's the nature. That's what you sign up for, but you know I've sat in green rooms you know where you're sitting there without anyone else and it's not even a comedy because stand-up comedy is the same you're on your own 
you sat in green rooms and you're kind of thinking half the time, oh, well, what have I signed up for? This is going to be my last gig ever. It's the, it's the nature of the beast. I did have a show once actually at a, a TED Fest. You know the TED Fest yeah. that runs in the Iron Islands of yeah. here? And this was an ensemble show, so there was safety there. And it was, gosh, good few years ago. So I, I was performing alongside some, some really, really great performers. But I don't know if you know TED Fest, but it's basically like the Comic-Con for Father Ted. Yeah. So, you know, everyone has costumes on, costume changes. And we were doing our set. Now, this was like 3 p.m. on a Saturday. We were doing our set in the tent. And people were well-oiled, well-oiled at it. And we were coming to the end of our set, and it was a musical, and we were making up a song. And the image I remember was a father Jack lookalike in a wheelchair with a fishing rod holding a bottle of whiskey at the end of it. And he tried to storm the stage. And, of course, there's no security around like that. So what could you do? So we dragged him up on stage, and we sat on him and just sang the rest of the song. Because we figured the safest thing to do was to incapacitate him so we just sat on him, sang out the rest of the song, and when the song was over, we let him back to his let, let him back to his chair. That was a bit of a challenge. You can imagine, yeah. Jesus, just <laughs> wheelchair flying, Father Jacks all over the place. Yeah, yeah. You realise very quickly that uh, the performers aren't the star of the show, and at Ted Fest, it's all about the it's all about the audience and their costumes. So, I mean, improv is fascinating. I think it's a fascinating art, art form because when it goes well and it hits, you are you're getting something that you will never get anywhere else at any other moment in time. I think that's really fascinating about it is that because it's not scripted you can get those magic moments and I think everyone realises that that this was just a spur of the moment thing and it makes it a million times funnier but how do you because you teach people improv as well how do you teach someone to be better able to stand on stage with no words nothing prepared and make people laugh well it's around confidence really because it's exactly like you say you know when you crack a joke off the cuff with friends in the bar everyone laughs at that and then if you try to say that same thing again 10 seconds later no one's going to laugh at it because it's forced so so improv is this weird thing where comedy is kind of a byproduct of improv because we don't have a script we have to say exactly what we're feeling what we're thinking so you get to say and do the things that you don't necessarily get to say and do in real life and a lot of humour comes from that now of course there's other comedy tricks and tropes but essentially it's giving people the confidence to just you know if you're playing a character on stage who's an asshole for example enjoy playing that character but do the things that are natural for that kind of person and you know when people are new to improv that's a scary thing because when we walk out on stage you know you want to look your best but sometimes you're playing characters who aren't the coolest people in the world sometimes you're playing characters who are feeling vulnerable and you have to speak you know exactly their feeling what's on their mind and that really is where the comedy comes from the commitment to that you know those confident confident characters or those cool characters or the less cool and and not confident characters and that's really where the, the comedy comes from but it's all about the confidence it's giving people confidence to step out on stage and commit to an idea and run with it with the people they're performing with you mentioned um, a few moments ago as well this idea of yes and like what are there some core fundamental kind of rules to improv that you kind of have everyone adopt without getting too philosophical there's no rules in improv there's just things that will help you out to kind of make your experience a little bit more positive so the whole idea with yes and is if I'm performing on stage with you Cormac and you say gosh that's a nice dress you have on Neil you know if I react to that by saying well I'm not wearing a dress the audience will laugh at that because I've just basically taken your idea and made it made, it, made a joke of it so the joke is at your expense but if I respond to that by saying oh thanks very much I have a date tonight and I'm really excited about it that's not funny but what I've done is I've accepted your idea your reality that you've presented to me is, is my reality and then we're building on it so by using yes and you're accepting the reality that's presented to you you don't judge it you don't kind of say I don't think that's the best idea you just accept it and build upon that and again that can create comedy in its own right uh, but that's the, the core principle of improv is you know don't judge or don't make assumptions about ideas just build upon them accept them and build upon them Would it be out of line now if like for 60 seconds we tried to improvise a scene on the air? 
It wouldn't be out of line at all, but like all things improv, this could be horrendous. What could be the best thing ever <laughs> but this, this is this is the this is this is the risk we have to take, isn't it? We've got to do it. I have to say yes to it now after saying that, don't we? Oh, I lined you up lovely there. I was like, bring him in, bring him in, and we'll see if we go. <laughs> so, uh, uh, listen, you're the you're the trainer and professional here. Is there something we could do quickly where you could set a scene and we could see if we can get like 30, 60 seconds out of something without it being too well? I, I would say set any expectations, but like, is there so, a scene you could set there and we can try and take it back and forth? Well, if I say that now, you're going to think that I've already planned this. So I should probably ask you, where's the where's the the worst place you've probably ha- had your heart broken? Oh God. Where's the worst place I've ever had my heart broken? This this is therapy, no? This <laughs> is therapy, yeah. The blinds blur, the lines blur. <laughs> oh, do you know what we'll do? We'll say in a car in the Phoenix Park. Car in the Phoenix Park. Right. What do we do now? Sorry, yeah, we'll, we'll just go from there. Say whatever you want and we'll try and work it out as we go. Okay, perfect, perfect, yeah. So <clears throat> here we go. So I'm in a car in the Phoenix Park and my heart's just been broken. Uh, I, I can't believe it, man. I didn't realise she was... Uh, I didn't realise she was actually a robot, but there you go. I don't like it when you talk about me in the third person, Carmen. Are you still here? Of course I'm still here. You're going to ask a question of me after after what I've been through. How many times do I have to explain it to you? Well, you never told me that you were going to shapeshift from being an, an attractive female that I'm into into a man with a deeper voice. You know that's not me. Well, I have to be progressive in this world, and my species, as an organic robot, we require to be adaptable. How much you presented you, Ronnie? Is your battery nearly dead so I can have some alone time? No, it's not going to happen. Look, Cormac, I think the best thing that could ever happen to you is me leaving you. You have a terrible taste in films and you have a terrible taste in music. And if I have to listen to another Smith's album on a Saturday night while you talk about how wonderful life could be if you had a different job, I think I'd crack up and I'm a robot. But the, the, the guy in the shop told me that if we got into a relationship that I'd be able to choose the music that's inbuilt into your programming. Well, he's, he's not a robot. He never he? said you'd judge me based on the fact that I like Justin Bieber. That guy was as boring as you were. Whoa. I, I don't really know why you want to compare yourself to him, but that's exactly what's been wrong with you all this time. Do you know how boring your parents are every time we go over for Sunday roast? They're just not into human-cyborg relationships yet, okay? I'm working on it. I took a hit for the cyborg team to go out on a date with you. Oh, don't give me that bullshit again, okay? We control you. I don't like your tone. Oh, we'll end it there. That was fun. See? This is what happens, Cormac. You never know what's going to happen. Working through some I, issues of my own. I like it. <laughs> I, don't ever, I don't ever think I've been a robot before, either. Yeah, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's, kind of, it's hard because you start trying to judge yourself or filter yourself a little bit and kind of go, oh, that won't, and then you're tripping yourself up, but you kind of just have to spout shit for a bit, don't you? You do, because you get into your head then and you start thinking about it, and that's when you kind of take yourself out of the zone. So you really have to commit in the moment and run with it. Uh, and, you know, sometimes things can come up that will be curveballs or that will, you know, take you in a different direction, and you just got to embrace that and run with it. God. Now, are you... Um, uh, it, it's, it's a hell of a lot of fun. I can imagine how taxing that could be, especially if someone's not giving you anything where you're like, oh, come on, pal. But you... I know you, you teach people improv and stuff like that, but are you still organising the improv festival, that kind of... Yeah, the improv festival's still going. We run in December this year, the first week in December. And that's really great because you get to see acts, not just the local acts, but you get to see acts from all around the world. And we've got teachers who visit from all over. Um, we announced our teachers there for this year... Um, uh, last week, so really excited to see that. But it, it is a very diverse art form. You know, obviously comedy is the main 
the main staple of it. But you know, you have everything to improvise plays, to improvise musicals, to know, you know, the, the stuff that you see in Whose Line Is Anyway. So there's so much variety within the art form itself. And it, it's really accessible. You know, people who come to my classes, you know, come from all kinds of walk of life, all different ages and that. And it's just so accessible. You just have to turn up and once you, once you have someone else to perform it, you've got the makings of a show. Um, and in terms of the community, the, the improv scene in Dublin, it's, it's grown at a huge rate over the last, you know, five, six years. And, you know, we have a, a twice-weekly event called Tightrope where you've got different acts twice a week, uh, different improv acts. And, you know, just to see it is so accessible for people like that. Uh, you know, it's a great outlet for people. People treat it as a hobby, which is great, but then you've got people who are more serious about it. Mm. So it does give something for everyone, which is, which is great to see. Where uh, someone listens right now maybe wants to dip their toe into the improv world, where's the best place to find you and stuff online? Well, I'm online. I'm Improv Neil on Twitter or my website's loweredetone.com or if you want to check out some, some live improv, uh, The Tightrope. Uh, we're on Facebook at The Tightrope and uh, you'll catch us there. And there's, there's a lot, it's not just Tightrope that has improv, there's loads of other uh, improv that happens around the country. But uh, yeah, do do pop down and, and, and take a stab. Neil Kern, improv trainer, professional improviser, as I think you call yourself on your LinkedIn. In anyway, thanks a million for popping on to my risk gig this evening. Best of luck with the improv and the festival this year. Cheers, Cormac. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.